morning, everyone. Good to see you uh, again. Uh, a short passage this morning, and it's quite clear that it's Harvest Sunday, isn't it, because of the uh, words that you've just seen. So my title of my message this morning is hashtag harvest problems. We're going to be looking at problems to do with harvest. And when you first look at that passage, that uh, couple of verses that Nikki just read out, And uh, Jesus is quoting a phrase that other people in his context quoted. And already I've got problems, haven't I? As a speaker, as someone who's trying to communicate this to you this morning. I am quoting Jesus who's quoting a a, a proverb or a phrase or or a, a saying which they said. And it's an ancient saying and it's a Middle Eastern saying. So I'm already struggling already. And then not only is it an ancient saying and a Middle Eastern saying, but it comes out of an agricultural uh, background. And so I know that there's a couple of farmers uh, in our church, but most of us, this is not modern day vernacular. You know, there's four months to harvest. I don't go walking around saying, oh, by the way, it's four months to harvest, by the way. Most of us don't. And I'm trying to communicate a passage, a verse of scripture uh, that they said hundreds of years ago in in an app store world. I'm trying to communicate this passage. Oh, it's four months to harvest. And so what is the background? What is it that we're talking about here? Because when I hear the word harvest... I kind of think, oh great, something exciting is going to happen in my life. God's got something set up for me. It's all going to work. I think to myself, well, I've, I've worked hard, I've plowed, I've sowed, I've watered, I've cried, I've waited, I haven't grown weary in well-doing, I've been patient according to what the Bible says, and now I can sit back and get my harvest. I can just relax. I can just allow the harvest to roll in now. Uh, Is that what farmers do? Oh, I've got a few nodding heads going, no, 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 that's not what harvest does. I mean, is it, it, during harvest time, is that the time when you put your feet up? Or is that the hardest time of the whole process? Um, I don't know if you've seen Jeremy Clarkson's, uh, that farm that he does on Prime or or, or on Netflix, I, I I kind of came across it a couple of weeks ago, and this guy's bought a farm. He doesn't know a clue about what he's doing, um, and, and he just was, you know, he said, he said, it's the earliest time I get up in the morning when it comes to harvest time, and it's the latest time when I go to bed, and it's hard work when it comes to harvest time. And so, what is it that Jesus is talking about here in this context And I think context is really important. And so when you look at the context in John chapter 4, it's the context of the Samaritan lady at the well. If you've been around church, then you probably know this uh, uh, story very well. You've got two individuals and you've got two groups that are the key elements of the story. The two individuals is that there's the Samaritan lady coming to the well and there's Jesus sitting on the well and those are the two individuals and there's an engagement between those two and then you've got two groups. You've got the Samaritans who are coming from the town and you've got the disciples with Jesus. And it's those interactions that we get the understanding of what Jesus says in our passage 
this morning. And what we notice, and you can, see, you can follow it on your devices if you've got your devices or if you've got your Bible, if you're more traditional, you've actually got a paper Bible, you can follow it yourself. But in John chapter 4, we start reading at the beginning of this chapter in John chapter 4, it says, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria straight away. Anyone who's reading that passage at the time will be like, alarm bells, what's he doing? Is he crazy? That's a little bit like um, an Israeli leader or official walking through the Gaza Strip right now. It's, it's crazy. What is he doing? What is Jesus doing? Walking through Samaria, any kind of formal religious Jew walks around Samaria. Everyone knows that. The disciples are like, what's he doing? Everyone walks around Samaria, but Jesus walks, the, the passage says, through Samaria. Jesus goes to the center of the conflict. He goes to the center of the hatred. He goes to the center of the discrimination because it's well known that there is tremendous tension and conflict between the Samaritan community and the Jewish community. We have positive thoughts about good... We talk about the Good Samaritan, don't we? Everyone knows what the Good Samaritan is. You don't even, people who don't even come to church knows what the Good Samaritan is. I mean, that's Bob helping uh, Mrs. Rashid across the road. That's the Good Samaritan. But saying Good Samaritan in the context that we find ourselves in in John 4 it, it is, is just crazy for a Jewish mindset back then. That's, that's a little bit like saying that good young man from ISIS. That's what it was like in the context of John chapter 4. They didn't understand it because they had such hostility, the two communities. It was the Samaritans, the Jews claimed, that desecrated the temple for Jewish people and Jewish worship. It was the Samaritans that considered themselves the true people of God. In fact, Jewish people back then considered them kind of half-breeds. They weren't quite right and there was hundreds of years of hostility and tension. And Jesus walked straight into the center of this whole situation. And he sits down at a well. And you get this sense of like a, like a two-level drama going on. It's really interesting. Uh, uh, the, 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 the disciples are talking about natural food. Here, have some food. And Jesus is talking about spiritual food. You've got the lady who's talking about, I just want to get some water from the, from the well. And Jesus is talking about living water. You've got, you've got this level. She, she keeps the conversation on this kind of top natural surface level. And Jesus goes far deeper. You have disciples who are hungry, and you have a woman who's thirsty. This woman was thirsty. She came, comes to the well, and we find out from the passage that she, she doesn't, Jesus says, where's your husband? She says, I don't have a husband. And, she's, and he says, yes, of course you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Someone say Problem. That's a problem. That's not just a bad decision one time. That's a pattern 
in someone's life. There's a deep need there. This woman is thirsty for something deep within her life. A need for love and acceptance. A need for inclusion. And yet, probably her conservative society have excluded her and isolated her because of her lifestyle. And so she's thirsty for something far deeper in her life. And then you have the disciples and they come and they're talking about natural food and Jesus is talking about spiritual food. And, and the lady has a problem. She has a problem. She's trying to get natural water and there's a man in the way when she's trying to get natural water and I'll take some now. And she thinks that he's the problem and yet it's her greatest opportunity in this situation because she's coming to find natural water and yet she's just, doing, just about to encounter encounter living water which is going to fulfill her soul and she's no longer going to need a man to fulfill her soul because she's met the man who's able to fulfill her deepest needs on the inside of her but what she does is that she keeps the conversation at an abstract conceptual surface level she's more interested in religious issues like the place of worship you Jews worship in Jerusalem and, and, and we Samaritans worship somewhere else she keeps the she keeps the conversation about the cultural wars of her particular context she talks about gender well you're a man and I'm a woman and you're not supposed to be talking to me right now according to Jewish law she keeps the conversation about racial and ethnic divides when she says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, you shouldn't be talking to me. And after all, you're a holy man, you're a rabbi. And she keeps it at that surface level and yet Jesus takes her deeper. Because all of those cultural wars, all of those issues are predominantly about something far deeper, the condition of the human heart. The condition of what happens on the inside. And Jesus has an insight. Jesus has a word of knowledge. Jesus looks deep in her heart and sees the real issue. And he touches her very soul. And it's something far deeper. And I wonder, church, when are we going to realize that it's not about our income levels and it's not about the job we never achieved and it's not about the challenges outside. It's about something far deeper in our life that we need to recognize because if it's not right within, then it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. If it's not right within, then we leak and we've got challenges in our lives and the disciples are coming and they see this conversation between Jesus and this woman and they're not happy oh there's a problem so the so the lady's got a problem but the disciples have a problem and the disciples think this isn't good for PR I mean Jesus he's 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 breaking the the golden rule isn't he 
He's breaking Billy Graham's rule. You shouldn't speak to a woman in a private context other than your wife. I mean, he's not doing what's right here according to the laws, according to the customs. And so the disciples come along and they, they, they are concerned in verse 27 about what Jesus is doing with this problem. How many people know that whether you're a pastor, whether you're a leader, or whether you're a mom, you're not going to be able to please everyone all of the time? The disciples have problems with Jesus. Uh, the, the, the Samaritan lady has problems with Jesus. And yet you still need to keep focused on what the real important issues are in life. And so there's this exchange that takes place. And I can't go through all the passages, but, but, but Jesus says, give me a drink of water. And she says, why are you asking me for water? And Jesus says, if you really understood what was going on here, if you understood the importance, you understand the depth of what we're talking about, you would be asking me to give you living water. And when you have this water, you'll never need any of this natural water again. You wouldn't need John, and you wouldn't need Jimmy, and you wouldn't need Jay, and you wouldn't need any other man to satisfy the depths of your soul because you've met and encountered and received living water that refreshes and restores and sustains your soul. You won't need to drink from all these other wells that you've been drinking from, which always run dry. But you'll drink from a well within, by the time I finish with you, that never runs dry. And her response is, but you haven't got a bucket. I mean, she's still on, a, on the same level. But you haven't got a bucket to, to draw water from. And you know, when I was pondering this passage, and when I was meditating on this passage, I, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say what Jesus' response to that question is in the passage. But I kind of wondered, I kind of imagined what Jesus was thinking. And I think Jesus was thinking something like this. You're my bucket. You'll make a good bucket. Because I want to get this living water into you, and then I want to get it from you to those Samaritans out there. I want, I want you to be a bucket. How many people want to be on God's bucket list this morning? <laughs> How many people want to be used by God? Because... Jesus is focused on the mission. And Jesus is focused on mending broken buckets. Because the best buckets that Jesus can use are always mended buckets. I really believe that we should have a saying in this church, see what God can do through me. And so often people come here and they want to be fed and that's quite right and I'm going to try and feed you as best I can and spiritually speaking I hope you walk away and that you're not feeling hungry anymore and I hope I've given some flavoring to it and some seasoning to it. But my question to you this morning is how long are you going to come here and keep being fed? When are you going to want to reap something? 
rather than just feeding? Do we have a people that says it's not just about what God can give me, it's about what God can do through me. I want to be a bucket for God to use. I want you this week to go and thank someone for being a bucket. There's been people in the car park that's helped you park their car this morning. They've been a bucket. They're not just interested about what they can get. They're interested about what God can do through them. There's a whole lot of people here, and I, you wouldn't be able to hear this word or even receive this word this morning if there wasn't a whole lot of people here who are willing to be a bucket and be able to have God work through them. And before you leave this morning, I want you to speak to someone. And I want you to say thank you for being used of God, whether it's the worship team, the tech, whether it's stewards, whether it's youth, whether it's the signers, all the different people, even the people who, who don't even operate on a Sunday but deal with policies and safeguarding policies and all sorts of things in the background of this church. We want to say thank you for the buckets. And what I've noticed is this, that the best buckets are mended buckets. This lady is broken. But God's going to do such a work in her life that she's going to go away and she's going to go back to her people and she's going to say, come and see a man that's told me everything about my life. Come and see a man that's told me everything about my life. I wonder what kind of response she got. Oh, yeah, I bet you've seen a man all right, yeah. Oh, yeah, what's his name this time? Who are you shacking up with this time? I wonder what kind of response she got when she got back to her community. When we share about Jesus and our faith, what kind of response do we get? And does it put us off that easily? But what it says in verse 30, it says this, that they all came out, the whole town came out. Here are the Samaritans are crowds walking out to see this man that has transformed this lady's life. Meanwhile, the disciples are coming back, and the disciples are looking at this situation. They've come back, and they've just got themselves a burger and fries. They've just got themselves some food, and they've brought some back from Jesus, and they offer Jesus some food. And in verse 32, Jesus says this, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. You've got to give the disciples some credit. At least they're trying to look after Jesus. But Jesus has a satisfaction within because my food is to do the will of the one who sent me, he says. And my question to you this morning is, are you more interested in your needs and your comfort or are you interested in the mission of Jesus? Because there's some things that we've got to put aside in terms of priority, both as individuals, as a church, to focus on our relationship with God. Because they're focused on the next meal. And quite often we're all focused on something, the next compliment, the next like on Facebook, the next relationship, ticking off the next to-do list. We're focused on all these kind of things. Some people are focused on whether this church meets their needs or not. Well, I just don't like it. I don't like the style, and I don't like this, and I don't like the music, and I don't like... So much about me, myself, and I. And these disciples were on the next meal. And my question to you this morning, are you meal-minded, or are you missions-minded? Are you focused on, we've got Samaritans coming, 
And part of the job of a pastor, let me explain a little bit of the job of a pastor from this text. The job of a pastor has to keep his eyes on two things. He has to keep his eyes on the disciples and he has to keep his eyes on the Samaritans. And the job of the pastor is to try and get the disciples out of the church to the Samaritans and get the Samaritans into the church. And the challenge for the pastor is this, that he has to feed, because they're hungry, notice the text, he has to feed the disciples to bring them to a place of maturity because they're all about themselves. And yet, the challenge of the pastor is also to keep their eye, his eye on the Samaritans, the people outside the church, because they're thirsty and they need Jesus. And that's part of our challenge as we move forward as a church. And my question to you is, are you meal-minded or are you missions-minded? And do you, are you aware that there's a harvest that's coming to this church. There's a harvest that's coming to this church. So often I've wasted days on, on my convenience rather than my calling. I've wasted days on, on my own comfort rather than the cause of the king. I've, I've, I'm more interested in my own preferences than I am on his purpose for my life. And so I want to ask you the question... Do you have a mission sent by God which is echoing in your soul and your heart and you're saying, I recognize that and I'm on with that and that satisfies me. And in this context, all of this is built up for this moment because Jesus has been drawing two groups together. And here comes the Samaritans and the disciples are like, what's going on here? First of all, they're focused on a meal. What, what, what's, what's the food situation here? Okay, you know, is anyone going to get something to eat around here? And then the next thing, it's like, well, we, all, we like this conversation about harvest, Jesus. This is all great. We want the harvest. We want the blessing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk more about the harvest. But we've got these people coming. We've got these Samaritans, and they're a problem. They're a problem. So let us first get rid of the Samaritans and remove the problem and then we, we can listen to all this talk about harvest. And then our text kicks in. Boom. Jesus says, open your eyes. Here's your harvest. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great, all this talk about harvest, but first of all, let us deal with our problems. No, 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 Jesus says, no, you haven't understood. Open your eyes, look, open, look. The fields, they're ripe for harvest. Not four months, no, 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 you say four months, it's not four months, it's the harvest is ready now. And yet we've got so few workers for the harvest. And, and, and the disciples are like, well, what's he on about? And Jesus says, open your eyes. And what do they see walking up the road? They see 500 years of prejudice. They see 500 years of aggro and pain and hurt and suffering. And Jesus says, 
here's your harvest. And my challenge this morning to this church is this. What God's, what you call sometimes a harvest, and what, what God calls a harvest sometimes you see as a problem. And we need to look at the problems of our lives as individuals. And I, my question to you is, every problem you have, whether it's the challenge with the kids, whether it's career, whether it's finance, whether it's suffering, whether it's challenge, whether it's health, and I look at that and I see problem. But I want to ask you the question, where's the harvest in the problem? Where's the gold in the crisis? Where there is joy in the trial? Where is it? As individuals, we have this challenge. And I want you to go away this week, and I want you to look square at your problems. Not a run away from them, but sit down at the well with Jesus and look at your problems. And say, where's the harvest in the problems? Where is Jesus right now? And what's his purpose in my pain right now? And as a church, we're going through changes. And we're going through shifts. Even the last couple of months and even this week's and the weeks, there's going to be shifts and changes. But are we going to say, well, that's a problem? Or are we going to say, no, there's a great harvest? There's a great harvest. We've got Samaritans to reach for Jesus. We've got a great harvest. You've probably looked at your TV screens and you've seen the challenges of the Middle East and our heart breaks for what's happening there. And God's time clock is ticking in. And there's a spiritual shift that's taking place in the atmosphere. It feels like time is speeding up. And people can read their Bible and look at the TV screen and see what God is doing if you know your Bible. And it's painful and it's challenging and it's hurtful. But my mind wants to be on the end time harvest, not just seeing it as a problem. Because the Bible says that nations war against nations and there's all sorts of rage, but God has a final purpose. And he has a final harvest. And so whether it's at a global level and we're praying and we're seeking God, whether it's at a church level, whether it's at an individual level, I want to say to you this morning, sit down at the well with Jesus. Come as a disciple and have a shift of mindset and say, Lord, I'm looking for your purposes and I'm looking for, for your harvest in this situation, I'm no longer going to ask the question, where's the food? All about me, myself, and I. I'm going to ask the question, Lord, where's the harvest? Where's the purpose that you have for me in this situation? I'm going to ask the worship band to come up, please. As we celebrate harvest this Sunday, I want us to get a glimpse of the abundant harvest that God wants to place in our lives. Can you stand, please, as we, as we enter into our final time of worship? As you worship, I want you to give yourself fully to God as a, as a worker 
in his harvest field.